that many of them had repented with a godly repentance that brought genuine change in their life. And now he closes by saying, beginning in verse 19 of 2 Corinthians 12, Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we again tonight express our gratefulness to you, first of all, for faith in Jesus Christ, and then for access to your word. Lord, thank you for the strength that we find through your word. Thank you for the comfort. Thank you for the conviction that your word brings. And Lord, I pray that your word tonight would produce fruit in our lives in the days and weeks and months until you come again. Lord, if that is to happen, it has to be a work of your Spirit. There is no way I can accomplish that work or any of us here. Lord, we often are blind to our own lives and our own needs. So we ask tonight that you would open our eyes, that you would truly make the application of truth in our lives And we know you will be glorified as we walk in obedience to that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It it was always um, an interesting um, dilemma or occasion when in Bible college... Um, kids would do something wrong to the extreme that they would um, get kicked out of school or to the extreme that they would um, have severe restrictions put on them that they couldn't do certain things. And quite often... um, there would be individuals that would get saved in going through these things. Now, I have no idea if they got saved or if that was a way to cover a multitude of sins or whatever. Um, But it was interesting that things like that would happen. You know, it's we as people are, are all the same. In none of us like to get caught doing something we shouldn't be doing. And when we are, our, our natural heart is an immediate machine that starts putting out excuses and rationalizations and, and covering. 
You never have to teach a kid to blame a brother or sister. You never have to teach them to to make excuses. And the older we get, the more um, educated we get in doing that. And Satan many times comes along and aids us to do everything that would make it look like it's okay without genuine repentance, without a change of our attitude towards sin or our attitude toward God. And Paul was writing here to the church at Corinth, and he said, my prayer is that that when I come to see you, that I really see that you're living in a godly manner. I, I've spoken these things to you to build you up in the faith. He said, I fear when I come that I won't find you that way. That I might find there to be contentions and jealousies and outbursts of wrath and selfish ambitions, he says here, and and backbitings and whisperings and conceits and confusion. Now, those are all things that can be very normal in life. It's easy for us to think, for me to repent of something, it needs to be something major. Well, these we would not consider as major, but they are major. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions that we're doing things to be noticed or to gain something. He said, all of these are things that need to be repented of. And then he comes down and he lists... um, He says, I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of their uncleanness, their fornication, and their lewdness which they have practiced. Now, he's saying of the church at Corinth, these are written to believers. He's saying all these things, you're backbiting and whispering and gossiping and, and there's jealousies and angry outbursts and there's fornication and there's lewdness and uncleanness. He says all of these need to be repented of, turned from. But he says, I fear that it won't happen. Why? Because many times we substitute, we, we have faces of artificial change. That it looks like, it looks like we're changing without really changing. And tonight we just want to quickly look at at some of the faces of artificial change. Number one is confession. Naming an act as evil is not the same as turning from it. Biblical confession is seeing, we mentioned this morning, is seeing sin the way God sees it. But just admitting that I did something is not turning from it. We may admit that we did something and may not really be sorry that we did it. We're just sorry that we got caught. 
A kid may say, yes, I did punch my brother in the face. And in his heart, he may be saying, I wish I'd punched him hard enough to knock him out so he couldn't have ran and tattletailed on me. Admitting something. We sometimes think, well, I admitted that I did it. No, that doesn't necessarily mean that our heart attitude toward what we did turned. And sometimes it's easy for us to have a confession that moves the lips, but not have a repentance that moves the heart. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 24. Now, Saul was a man that at times in his life did not come out with a straightforward confession, seeing it as God does. Um, There were times that he blatantly disobeyed God and then rationalized it. But notice in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 24, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord, And your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Now, Saul had a... A model confession. But God knows our hearts. It's not just a confession. It's not just an admitting that we did something wrong. It's what takes place. Has our heart changed towards sin? Sometimes we, a face of artificial change is that it involves tears. Genuine repentance usually does involve some emotion, but an emotion alone does not prove genuine repentance. Now, now again, I don't want us taking these things tonight and measuring someone else's. No, I don't think they repented. We need to apply these to our own life. We may be extremely sorry about something to the point that that we cry and someone might say, man, they must be serious about the repentance. They were broken about it. It may be we're broken that my kingdom is crumbling to the ground. We may not be broken that it's God's name that's damaged and we have dishonored him, but we we will make a confession. The confession may involve tears, but that may be a substitute for a genuine change of heart. The aspect that um, Judas had remorse. Judas 
was moved with the motion after he betrayed the Lord. But his heart didn't change. So just because we admit something, just because we may have tears, be broken about it, um, doesn't necessarily mean that there's genuine repentance in our heart. Sometimes we come to a point of of, um, crisis in our life and we fear the consequences. And it may mean I'm going to make some changes because I want to avoid the consequences of my wrongdoing. And we make some changes, but did our heart change? Again, back to our attitude about sin, back to our attitude about God. Being caught or fearing the consequences can bring change, but it may not necessarily bring repentance. We may change our behavior. Fearing the consequences may cause us to change our behavior. But again, it's like Dressing up a pig, it's still going to love the mud. It, don't, it doesn't matter what you dress it up. And we can change our actions. And I think sometimes in Christianity, we say, change this action, change this action. But if we don't deal with the heart, the actions are only going to be temporary changes. What is my heart longing for? What is it that... I truly am worshiping in my life. What comes from a bad heart will never be good. Our love of sin still remains. We still see sin as something to be desired and something that we're missing out on and something that that we long for. Change of behavior. We, we may change behavior because the pressure's on. Oh no, they, they may have found out something, so we, we change our behavior to impress others. And that change of behavior is often just dealing with surface problems. We may confess something, and we may try salving our conscience by a minor repentance, a dealing with not the real heart of the issue. Rather than confessing, I was filled with pride and it is my pride that caused me to do this. Sometimes we say, I'm sorry that I said that to you. No, what motivated us to say that to you? Confessing our pride, confessing our greed. You know, it is my greed that motivated me to do this. And, and I am asking your forgiveness and I am turning from my greed. It's turning from our moral impurity. See, these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three Basic root problems of all sin. Pride, greed, and moral impurity. 
You can take most sins back to one of those roots. And oftentimes, rather than kill the root, we just chop off a part of the plant. Have any of you walked beans? Did they ever walk beans? Okay. It doesn't do you. You you walk beans. It used to be before pesticides, you'd go through the bean fields and you'd have a hoe or a machete or a stabber thing sometimes they have. And you'd go through and you'd kill the weeds. Volunteer corn growing up, um, cockleburrs, pigtail, elephant ears, velvet weed, all all kinds. So, so you're walking through this. You don't just, and there were kids that did it. They just chop off even with the even with the bean plant because they're out there on the back 240 acres, and the farmer will drive by in his truck, and yep, field looks level until later few weeks later, that plant didn't die. It just had the top chopped off, and then it kept growing. And the farmer would know that somebody didn't do their job right, and you wouldn't get a job the next year walking beans for him, which most kids didn't want the job next year anyway. They'd hope they'd moved on to something better than that. But word would spread that, hey, that kid or that crew of kids doesn't do the job right. Why? Because they're just dealing with the surface problem. Often in the Christian life, we, we wonder why we have a lack of joy. We wonder why we have a lack of victory. We're just dealing with the surface problem. It is tough to say, God, I confess my pride. I was... I was more concerned about me, and that's the next point, more concerned what others think than what God thinks. I was more concerned what other people think about me. I was more concerned about my name than your name. And we go through and we, we seldom get down and deal with with the, the root problems in our life, and we, we repent generally. Well, Lord, just forgive me of my sins today, or I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, you know, the the reality of of dealing with our sins and calling sin what it is before God. Every one of us, even if we don't have the gift of mercy are very merciful to ourselves. We minimize our sin. We have mercy on ourselves. Oh, I under, you know, we understand why we didn't do exactly right. We did, we we're very very merciful to ourselves. And sad to say many times we don't extend that same mercy to others. But when it comes to dealing with sin, we need to get down to the root of this. If I don't deal with the root of this sin, it is going to grow as a bad weed and it is going to take over my life. You know, Creeping Charlie 
I don't know who the guy's name was that was Charlie, but he must have been a creep or whatever. But how that plant got that name, that is a, you know, it's got cute little purple flowers on it, but it is a deceitful, devilish weed. And sin, we we get where we endure it, we kind of, well, maybe not... No, we we need to deal and repent of the sin and and not surface, not concerned what others think, but to think about what God thinks. See, sometimes we change because we know that family or friends would like us to, they were disappointed. That's not going to take us very far. It has to be because of a love for God. And we need to repent of God. I am in this position because of my lack of love for you. I love me. I love something else more than I loved you. And and it's dealing with the issues at hand. Um, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Proverbs says, avoid it, don't pass by it, turn from it, flee. And it's too easy for us to not turn from the sin, but to um, endure it, excuse it, and justify it. When you think about repentance as we have this morning and tonight. It's like, God, how much of my life have I ever really repented of my sin? Have I ever really changed my heart? See, we mentioned this morning, there's there's three things that we must see. We must see the nature of God. We must see the nature of sin. And we must see the nature of our heart. And the only way you will see those three things is through the Word of God. We're never going to get the real nature of God unless we're reading the Word of God. And we read it with an attitude, God, I want to know your nature. Show me your nature. And you will read various aspects that will show you the nature of God, the justice of God, the holiness of God, the mercy of God, the long-suffering of God, the love of God. And the more you get to know the nature of God, the more you will understand that, wow, whatever God asked me to do, He knows what He's talking about. I can trust Him. And the more you read the Word of God the more you will know the nature of sin. This is what sin does. Look what it did to Aaron and the children of Israel. Look what it did to Ananias and Sapphira. Look what it did. And we start seeing this is the nature of sin. And this is what sin did to Jesus Christ. To know the nature of sin. And then, to know the nature of our own heart. 
we mentioned this morning, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And we, we see things that happen in the news and we think, how could anyone do that? We are capable of that. Apart from the grace of God, there is no limit to what... And, and I know some may be thinking, no, there are certain things I'd never do. Our heart is desperately wicked. And that, that alone ought to fill us with fear of saying, God, I need you. Don't leave me to my own devices. Don't leave me to my own ways. God, I, I will totally dishonor you, and we will. And when we know the nature of God and the nature of sin and the nature of our own heart, there will be a turning to God in genuine repentance that we need to be repenting of often. In, in the simple little things of life, the, the snide thoughts that we think of others, the comments that we make, and repenting of those things. Thursday night at the soccer game, the our team kicked it off the other team, and it went out of bounds. And the referee called it our ball, and the other team thought it was their ball. They picked it up to throw it in. They said, no, no, red team. And the player said, sarcastically from the other team, to the referee, nice call, ref. That, number one, that stuff just gets under my skin. Was it nice call or good call? Something like that. And right away, before I even thought, I said, it was. Just like that. Well, then she responded, what did she say to me? Something, thanks, coach. She's from the other team. Number one, you don't say anything to the other team's players. That's not, that's not what you're supposed to do. Even if it gripes you, you're not supposed to do that. And right away I said to Andrew, man, I shouldn't have said that. And I went home that night, and I'm thinking about it. And, and honestly, I didn't even think about it. After the game, I should have, I don't even know what player it was, but I should have gone, found her, and said, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have spoken to you. My mind's thinking, even though you were wrong. But no, you can't do that, you know. <laughs> See, that, that's where the flesh is always there. And, and so I went home and I, I, you know, I'm studying on this stuff. And God says, okay. And so I said, man, God, that's just my pride. I think I have to correct her. She wasn't under my... Ju- now, if it was my player... On our team, then we have a responsibility to correct that. But see, that wasn't mine. That isn't the way you ought to do it. And, and again, God's just molding and shaping. I, I, I wish I could tell you that won't ever happen again. But you know, the flesh is right. It, it's there before we even know it. 
But see, God uses that. And, and it reminded me, man, my heart, I hate to think what can come out of my heart in just a moment's notice. And God, I need you to, to change my heart, oh God. See, it's, it's comforting to know the Spirit of God is there convicting. And honestly, I don't need illustrations like that for sermons. I can find illustrations someplace else. But it, it's nice to know God is convicting and working, and it's nice to know, man, I stepped in here before I even knew it, and no, I need to turn away from that. I need to be alert to that. I need to deal with the root of this problem and deal with it. You know, when God starts seeing us hearts that want His will more than anything else, that's when... He works to bring revival. And that's what we desperately need. Let's go to prayer and have our prayer time. And as we do, may our heart's prayer be, change our heart, O God. As we go to prayer and God has burdened you or or would you know that God would want you to lead out in prayer, you just raise your hand.